This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening. Talking about gardening. All my screens are blank in here, so I'm assuming ain't nobody calling yet, but it is a call-in program, Java. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Now, see, now now we're breaking the, the fourth wall. That's, that's my that's my, that's my my bad right there. Well, see, I was late this morning, and you said, no, I was late, and I'm thinking, you were here before I was. <laughs> <laughs> Just by a few minutes. But we do have some calls uh, lining up, so whenever good. you're ready. Good, good, good. How are you this morning, Java? I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm good. really enjoying this weather. It's a nice, going to be a nice day today. I hope it's a good day tomorrow because you're having a birthday party for your five-year-old. Man, I can't believe she's five. <laughs> yeah, and when I first started, she wasn't even she wasn't even around. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, though, let me mention there's a big plant sale this weekend at Monell Gardens in Jackson. Monell Gardens is a, an old estate garden started back in the 50s or so by Monell Hayward. Spent many an hour out there, many a day out there with, with, with Miss Nell uh, planting and pruning and moving stuff around all like that but anyway the metro master gardeners have a big plant sale it's a big annual thing a lot of plants most of which were grown by them or came from their gardens uh, it's going to be from eight o'clock to noon on saturday in my new gardens tell everybody I, I i'm actually going to be down there first thing in my truck trying to uh, grab a couple of things for the herb garden at the ag museum so if you're there early let's say eight or eight thirty or something like that i'll be there in my green truck so anyway look forward to that i would also like to give a shout out to all the folks that we spent time with this past week. I mean, I've been all over the state. It's National Library Week, and I did three library talks, uh, uh, one up in, in Louisville, and um, unbelievable crowd met with Jim McAdory, who's one of my extension agriculture agent heroes, Jim McAdory, a uh, big shout out to him, and, um, and Faith Estes and her quirky garden and all the containers and the succulents and the little vignettes that she does. I also had a real nice plant swap at the Carthage Library. Really interesting mix of folks bringing a real interesting mix of plants. And appreciate that. Also seeing my old friend Cindy Crane, who's one of the original pass along plant people uh, that I met. Uh, and then uh, we went to the to Winona to the library. It was excuse me Wednesday. Really, really nice little crowd. And uh, I've got a little story to share, a little anecdote. Uh, you know, when we get time for the answer to question, nobody asks. That something, made, something happened? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and sit up right now. We'll do the question later. But driving down the road, running a little late, of course, <laughs> and uh, and Zoom passed over a piece of sod, two square foot, you know, two feet by one foot piece of grass laying out in the middle of the four lane. Wow. You know, starting to sizzle. You know, the day before, it was in a field full of uh, fellow sods or whatever they call them. And uh, somehow on its way to its forever home, it ended up in the middle of the road. So, of course, I had to turn around, go back, stop traffic, hop out, run across, grab it, throw it in the back of the truck, pour water on it, try to revive it. And I got it in my yard now. I got a piece of sod that I rescued uh, from uh, 50 miles from here. And he's thinking, uh, I don't know if I want to stay here or not. There's no other grass here. And yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm, you know, I'm here like all a, alone. Yeah, the, 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 you know, it's like that get out movie, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just here by myself. What's going on? Yeah, well, I got in the back of my truck and, and uh, going to take care of it till we find a forever home for it. 
where, where it'll do well. But I, I don't have the screen on All me, right. so well, I can't. S- while we get the screens together, the um, first first caller is uh, Jim from Jackson this morning. Good morning, Jim. How are you this morning? Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. I hope everything's well with you. So far, so good. Appreciate your call. Uh, speaking of herb gardens, I've tried to start some parsley for my little herb garden in my backyard. Uh-huh. Yes. People starting to seed. I just go out and buy some plants. Is there a parsley seed? Yeah, you get uh, par- parsley grown for seed. I mean, it, it's it actually is uh, people who grow parsley all the time, including me. We plant it in the fall. It grows over the winter. It makes a almost a basketball sized plant. It really grows better over the winter than over the summer. And mine's already starting to send up a flower stalk, uh, which is you know kind of pretty. But and you can eat it like like asparagus. But uh, it makes uh, it makes flowers and then then it seeds and it spreads itself that way. So is it, is it better then to try to start parsley in the fall rather than the spring? Well, yeah, everybody plants it in the spring because that's when garden centers carry it. But uh, but right. I, I've been growing it for for uh, decades, and it grows better if you plant it in the fall. Sort of like pansies, you know, pansies, you know, they'll grow over the summertime in Seattle or England, but they won't here. Well, parsley, it sort of hunkers down over the summer. It just does okay. But uh, planted in the fall, it will. It's astounding. What a beautiful, cold-hardy, nine-degree type of plant. Well, I'll put that on my calendar for the fall, then. Thanks a lot, uh, All right. Calendar. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you, Jim. All right, and let's slide down to uh, Ocean Springs. Diane, good morning. How are you? I have a problem with my boxwoods, the grass boxwoods, but they're turning brown. What am I doing wrong? Well, it might not be something you're doing wrong. You know, boxwoods, uh, they, you know, they, they've been a mainstay since the, I guess, 16, 1700s in the South, but they've always had problems. You know, I work with historic uh, gardens, old, uh, you know, gardens in Virginia and in, the, in Louisiana, all over the place, and they all have a little area back behind their big house of boxwoods that they dig up to replace the ones that die out in the front yard. So they're subject to, to leaf and stem diseases if we have a lot of humidity. Uh, they can get damaged from that sudden hard freeze like we had back in December, but also they, they can get root diseases. There, there's actually a disease called boxwood blight, and uh, there's not much practical we can do about that except just prune out the dead stuff, a little bit of fertilizer, not too much, just to help them. Uh, you know, pruning will stimulate new growth, and the fertilizer will support it as long as you don't overdo it. And if they get so bad they just can't take it anymore, pull them up and stick a different kind of plant in their place because, uh, again, boxwoods are not infallible. They're, they're popular, but they have problems. All right. Thank you. All righty. Good luck on it. Uh, hoping that has two two negatives in a row. No, Jim, don't plant it right now. Sorry about your blocks of wood. Plant Yopon. Not trying to be negative, folks. Just trying to call it like I see it there. Well, let's go to the slide just down to the other side of Mississippi Gulf Coast to Long Beach. Good morning, Joan. What's going on? Hi, Felder. Um, I love your show. Thank you. And um, you, you always give really good sound advice. So <laughs> I wanted to thank you for that. I've been a gardener <laughs> practically all my life. But one of the things that are, well, I've got two questions. One, one that concerns me when I grow tomatoes and I, you know, I have them out in the garden. I don't have anything covering them. Um, but I have a problem with leaf-footed stink bugs. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got them, too. And I, matter of fact, I have a, a pair of a long, you know, a, a, not a regular scissors, but the kind of scissors with the long blades I use on leaf-footed <laughs> bugs in my garden. 
you know, they're, oh, they're okay. And this is the true bug. You know, there's beetles and there's flies and there's wasps, but and there's mm-hmm. a group that are called true bugs. Well, this one is a true bug, like a stink bug. And they go through yeah. that little. They hatch out from egg. They get little ones. They get bigger and bigger and bigger until they reach their adulthood. And the bigger they get, the harder they are to kill. They're really, really hard. So if you have a big problem with them, you can spray early. Uh, you know, and try to spray late in the day or at night after pollinators have gone, and that'll control the small ones pretty well. What would that spray? Be? Well, the the small ones are actually susceptible to a liquid seven. You know, seven dust oh, is just okay. a waste. Seven dust is a waste of time. We did dust because nobody yeah. had sprayers, and they don't work. Uh-huh. Yeah. But liquids on okay. the bottom of the leaves that'll work. Also, there's a uh, a, a natural uh, material that's really powerful called pyrethrin. It's made from a type of chrysanthemum. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Well, py- Pyrethrin works uh-huh. really well if you spray, but do it late in the day because, again, this stuff is, you know, it'll, it'll get all the other stuff, too. I keep a pair of scissors in my yard. I, I mean, it sounds kind of cruel, <laughs> okay. but, and I don't like doing it, okay. but there, there yeah. it is. Yeah, okay. Well, and the second one, these are real common right now, those worms, those little small green striped worms that get on your cabbage, your kale, yeah. and yeah. you just think lace out of them. Yeah. Is that the same kind of treatment or? Well, sort of. Um, It's actually a better control for that. That's the larvae of a little white butterfly that flits around and lays in. You Uh see that white butterfly, you can Uh count to five days later, you're going to have caterpillars. And they're not that hard to kill. There's actually a a very effective natural material that's called, uh, it's a type of bacteria. They just call it biological oh, worm spray. Yeah, yeah, the BT. Yeah. If, if you'll mix okay. it, here's the deal, though. Cabbage and broccoli and collards, they all have a real slick leaf. So you need to add a little dish mm-hmm. detergent to your spray to help it spread out and okay. stick on those slick leaves. And make sure you spray the bottom of the leaves because that's where the caterpillars are. Bottom, okay. You can, right. also, you, also put, you can also put uh, netting. I, I have netting over mine, you know, insect netting, oh, is, yeah. and the moths, the mm-hmm. butterflies can't get through it. Yeah, I've got some of that, too. I'll do that as well. Well, thank you. Great, okay. Great advice. Thanks, Albert. You bet, Joan. Thanks for joining us. All right. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All righty. Let's slide back up to Jackson. Rachel, how are you this morning? Good, Good morning. morning. Howdy. What's up? about snap peas. Snap peas. Um, okay, you're talking about the edible pod type peas? Yes, sir. Okay. So most of them are totally fine, and I've got a couple, like I have them planted in like a big old pot with a trellis in them together, maybe like eight or so in there with them. Right. One of the plants is producing um, peas at the moment that are, look like they're blistered. Like the normal ones are all smooth and flat and delicious, and these look like they've got like some kind of disease or something, and then a couple of them are all kind of like curling in on each, in themselves as well. Well, the, the curling in or it just could be a pollination thing. You know, uh, if they don't, if all the seeds aren't forming uniformly, you know, then, then they'll, it's sort of like a misshapen tomato or something like that. It's about seed production. I don't know what those spot, those little bumpy things, those spots would be, you know, without seeing, is it just the one variety or are they all doing it? And they're all the same variety. They came in the same packet. Yeah. Um, and most of the seeds and the plants are doing just fine, like normal, like look like you buy the farmer's market grocery store. Right, right. And it's one of those plants that's doing weird things with yeah. fruit. You know, I, 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 I can make some guesses, but I'm just not known for that. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Can I take you a picture? Sure, sure. Uh, but what, okay. you know, if, if but there's not any worms or anything like that. It's just, it's just no, the, no they're just looking funny. They're just looking real funny, yeah. It's really weird. Don't know. Don't know. I don't mind not knowing something, but I would like to find out. So if you could send me a picture, I'd appreciate that. Go to felderrushing.blog and and click the email me there. Yes, sir. We'll do. All right. Appreciate it. 
Okay, Java, man, it's ripping and roaring this morning, ain't it? Yeah, we're rocking and rolling. But I also want to say, um, in addition to FelderRussian.blog, where you can um, email Felder directly, you can also use the Talk to Us. I forget about that feature inside. It's brand new. I, the, I might, I might have to. You might have to walk me through it, and if I can do it, I can explain it. But if I can't do it, I can't explain it. It's the Talk to Us feature inside the MPB Public Media app. Um, all you do is hit the open the app from your phone, your mobile device. Click the menu button. Uh, you'll see Talk to Us, and then you select Felder, the the Gestalt Gardener Show, and then you can send a picture, a voice note, um, even uh, a video. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna try that. Out. I'm a little bit nervous. You might have to you might have to calm me down, Java. We'd like to mention that uh, Library Week. You know, the libraries are sort of like the botanic gardens of book. You know, we go to botanic gardens, see unusual plants from all over the world. We go to libraries for the same thing: inspiration and education. The idea of having a little pop-up library, a little, little corner library and a little corner herbery, they work together, but sort of like a community leaf pile. I would like to mention there are people who disapprove of certain kind of books. There are people who disapprove of certain kind of plants, too. The librarian says, either get along or leave. Before we go to this phone call, let me mention this. I was at down at a place called Old House Depot the other day in Java. They sell old sticks and hinges and window frames and, you know, antique stuff that they rescue from old houses. Is that in Midtown? That's right, right down there by the fairgrounds, uh, okay, right, yeah. right across High Street from the fairgrounds. Cool place. I mean, they got some weird stuff. But I was looking at these kitchen tools. They had these kitchen tools laid out, old-timey kitchen tools, you know, like Grandma used to use. And they had one I couldn't understand. It looked like a, like a you know, these tea infusers, a little you squeeze the thing. It opens up. You put tea in it. stick it in your tea, and it's, you know, a little metal thing. They had a bigger one. I could not figure out what it was. And the guy said, this is where you put your old pieces of soap. You know, you know, you got old soap, and you just stick and it always leaves slimy stuff on your, your sink and all. You put them in. In this little infuser type of thing, and when they get too small to pick up, you just take the whole thing and squish it around in the water. I'm thinking, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is before squeeze bottles. Resourceful. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. it. But anyway, the reason I want to mention that because a young guy was helping me. I, I can't remember his name, and I will find out later. But uh, a, a young man, he was eager. He was knowledgeable. He, you could tell he just wanted to explain some stuff. And uh, come to find out, he had he was working at Old House Depot. Never heard about it. Till he heard about it on the Gestalt Gardener and MPB. And went down there, checked it out. Now it's sort of like his life work. Full circle moment. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, let's slide down to, to Ocean Springs, see what Tish is up to. We, we appreciate you holding, Tish. Thank you, Aunt Zelda. Mm -hmm. I have um, about, I had two, up until about two months ago, I had two very, seemingly very healthy youth. Right. In my yard. The, the, the tall, the ones that long skinny leaves? Oh, uh, well, what happened is the first one um, turned absolutely orange. Right. And died within a week. Mm -hmm. The second one, uh, just a, a few, uh, about a week or so ago, about two weeks after the first one, the second one all turned brush colored and died dead. Right, right. And I don't know whether I can plant. I, it, what might have caused this is this something I could plant another tree yeah. in that area. Yeah. Let, 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 let me make an educated guess here, educated based on experience and observation. I've seen this all over the state, including 
all over Jackson, including right down the street from me, because of that weird weather we had back in December. You know, it wasn't as bad on the coast, but it was bad enough. And uh, you, Podocarpus, it's called uh, Japanese yew. Uh, it's a really nice upright plant. Uh, those in the Jackson, a lot of them are dead as a doorknob. Some of them are starting to put out a little growth at the tip of their branches, but they look terrible. And I've seen them look bad as far as south as Hattiesburg. I just hadn't been south of there. But it very well could just be uh, – and they're susceptible to root rot. They're susceptible to a few other things. But if they died, both of them, pretty close to each other, I'm going to – educated guests blame it on the weather. There shouldn't be any problem. Try cutting them back. I bet if you cut them back, way, way back, they'll spread out just fine. And if they don't, there's no problem in planting another, working up the dirt, planting another one in the hole. I think it's just a freaky uh, weather thing. That, that's just what okay. I think. I, I don't know for sure. I'd have to look at it myself, but it's happened all over Jackson and, and North. Well, it's a, it, it's a great shock. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, oh I, I got stopped in the – I was going to a coffee shop the other day, and a shopkeeper across the street ran across and grabbed me and made me walk across the street to look at his Japanese you doing the same thing. So, yeah, it's a shock. But, you know, so much about gardening can be shocking unless you just sort of put your elbows out and knees bent, ready to jump in any direction because that's, that's, well, that's just part of gardening. Than, that, that's better than what I was told is that, that, that you, there is a – a bacterial infection that yeah, is going to spread all over the yard. And okay, whoever said that is either just trying to alarm you or they just don't know what they're talking about. But, yeah, there are, there are some diseases that affect you, but they're not the type of diseases that are going to hit both trees that close together. I mean, you know, that, that it's so soon. It'll be one or the other. So uh, I'm, I'm more suspecting some kind of weather-related thing, rain or cold or a combination, something like that. Thank you so much. Okay, Tish. I I, 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 I hope that I'm right. But at any rate, don't, don't give. Cut it back and stick some bottles over the dead branches and just smile. I'll do the best <laughs> okay. I can. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you. All right. And now let's head to, it says Tallulah. Rusty, are you in Tallulah? Uh, yeah. Hi. How are you doing? Fine. What's going on? Good. Good. I, I just have a, I just came back from my nature's house. She lives about 60 miles southwest of Dallas. Right. And she just bought a house. And it had like, she had like three acres of blue bonnets. Right. Aren't they pretty? And they were absolutely gorgeous. Were they growing? Were they growing? Nope. I, 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 you, know, you drove to your friend's house, right? Uh, you you drove there. It drove back, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, re, re, he, lives, he lives about sixty miles southwest. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But my point is, when you drove there, as you got closer, you started seeing more and more blue bonnets. But when you drove back, as soon as you hit East Texas, blue bonnets petered out. You know, they don't. You know, bl- yeah, blue bonnets grow in a really, really miserable, poor, hard, caliche, clay, alkaline, dry, East Tech, Texas type stuff. When you start getting in our part of the woods where we have more rainfall, the soils are acidic, there's more organic matter. Uh, we start growing stuff that they can't grow. 
So, uh, you know, blue bluebells are best lifted. You can grow them a few at a time. You know, you sow them in the seed in the fall, they'll bloom in the spring, but they're not going to repeat and spread in most gardens like they do out West Texas where the soil is more alkaline. It's just a, it's a Texas thing. And we have so many plants that, that grow here that they can't grow. So uh, if you yeah. want to give it a try, you can, but you're never going to have that kind of effect uh, once you even get into right. East Texas. So that's that's oh, what. Yeah. All right. I mean, I mean, they were so pretty. But you know what? If you get on the if you get on the highway, you drive up towards Monroe, you drive around Louisiana, drive across Mississippi, you're gonna see crimson clover. You're gonna see this brilliant, uh, uh, vibrant purple-looking verbena. You're gonna see coreopsis and black-eyed susan. We have beautiful wildflowers that won't grow in in Texas. So every place has its own thing. Anyway, we got to scoot, Rusty. I appreciate it, but I hope you got a picture. That's funny, Felder, because I, I can hear the disappointment in Rusty's voice as I know. far as I know. it's just it's it's Texas. It's like our cousins right over there on the other yeah. side, but it, it just won't work. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I speak to a really good friend of mine, uh, 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 Mike Shoup, owns Antique Rose Emporium. And I've lectured for him, and I stayed with him. And, you know, I go to, to, to Texas all the time, the hill country and all that. And the blue bonnets and the Indian paintbrush are just stunning. But that's all that grows there. <laughs> they don't have other stuff. You know, they got some scrub stuff, and that's about it. Anyway, it's really, really gorgeous, but it just it's just not Mississippi or Louisiana. So anyway, um, and we do have some, some wonderful wildflowers. I spent the past week driving up and down the state, hundreds and hundreds of miles. We have some astounding wildflowers. Right now, the two showiest ones along our roadside, one is called Mexican Primrose. It's got big pink, really pale pink flowers, just masses and masses of it along the, along the edge of the interstate. And uh, there's a brilliant, dazzling uh, purple-colored verbena that's out there. Both of them are growing in miserable conditions. And uh, I just want to tell folks, if you want to move some to your yard, first of all, karma is going to get you if you're taking from places where you ain't supposed to take stuff. But if you want to move these things, you need to cut them back, move the roots of the small plants, and let them sprout back out. If you try to move the whole thing, it's going to suck itself dry before you get back to the car. So anyway, let's slide down to uh, up to Mabin and talk with Ruth. Ruth, good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm just wondering if I can grow celery in this area, and if so, when and how. You can grow celery, but it's not that easy um, because it needs a long, cool growing season, and we have two short, cool seasons and one long, hot, dry season. So if you wanted to grow it, I would try to start it, I'm going to say, in the in the late summer or the fall, and then uh, you may have to protect it in the middle of the winter. But, it, you know, it, it may do well. It's just not going to be a main crop-type plant here. It needs a long, cool spell. Okay, thank you so much. That's oh, all I need to say. Okay, good luck on it. I've never tried and growing it because I only eat two or three stalks at a time, and you know, and usually I actually buy more than I can use. End up throwing it at the cat. Okay, Bob's calling from Starville. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Felder? Fine, fine. What's up? Well, I heard that you might be an expert on uh, earthworms, and I was wondering <laughs> if you might expound upon earthworms and Mississippi soil. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I could talk for 45 minutes about this, but in, in a nutshell, we have two main kinds of worms, those that go up and down in their tunnels and those that go sideways in their tunnels. And the ones that go sideways are way down deep. They're kind of olive green color and have a funky smell. Uh, and they, they call all sorts of stuff, but they're, they're olive green. And if you find those, when you, and when you dig them up, they curl up like like a... Like a uh, well, they just curl up like like noodles or something. Um, that tells you that tells me you got a really heavy soil. But the kinds that we have that grow up, that go up and down, the earthworms, the nightcrawler type things, got a whole bunch of different kinds. Uh, a lot of them are not native to to North America. They're they're invasive from from Europe. And they go through a lot of leaf litter real quick. They're actually causing problems out in the woods. But uh, those are the ones that I value in my garden because I mulch. And they come up at night, they feed on the mulch, and they circulate it down deep around. They go up and down and uh, circulate it with their worm castings up and down. Uh, and I actually feed my not just mulch and tree leaves, but I also scatter a little cottonseed meal out there, which gives them protein. And they're like underground cows. They come up at night, they eat stuff, and they spread manure through their holes all up and down. But anyway, uh, most of the earthworms we have uh, the, that, that we see are, are really not native, but they're, they're beneficial for the most part. And they're night crawlers of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just a generic term. You know, uh, I have I have a book that's just about worms, just about worms, <laughs> and it will astound you. Darwin found you could put a brick on the ground, and worms, as they work around the brick over time, they will actually bury. They they will actually the brick will sink into the ground from earthworm activity. But uh, in general, the night crawlers they go up and down in vertical tunnels. They eat stuff late at night. They circulate down around roots. They're one of my best friends, but out in the woods, they do cause some problems. I wonder what the name of that book is. Oh, um, I tell you what, I, I will bring it in next week and talk about it because it's a it's it's a really it's it's an astounding book. Uh, it, it's written by a woman named Amy Stewart, and that's okay. all I know. But it's uh, all about worms, and it's fascinating. But it'll it'll creep you out. Some of it will. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate it, Felder. Thank you. You bet, Bob. Thanks for calling. Uh, Master Gardeners, Metro Master Gardeners are having a big plant sale tomorrow, Saturday, from 8 till noon at Minel Gardens, right off Interstate 220 in West Jackson on, on Clinton Boulevard. Um, I'm going to be there from 8 to 8.30, so in, in my pickup truck looking for some stuff myself. Uh, but anyway, if you know some events that are going on I can help promote, shoot us an email. Give us a call. Let's talk about it. Meanwhile, it's all about gardening, folks. Like a lot of things going on. A lot of people planting stuff. We're finally getting warm enough. Finally got enough dirt. The garden centers are loaded with stuff. Uh, time to fertilize the grass. I appreciate the caller who said that the name of that book written by Amy Stewart about earthworms is called The Earth Moved. The Earth Moved on the Remarkable Achievement of Earthworms. Now, it's a really esoteric book, Java, but it's one of those things nobody thinks, well, I'm not gonna, I don't want to know anything about it. It's really, really interesting about what happens underground. And anyway, The Earth Moved, Remarkable Achievement of Earthworms by Amos Stewart. Highly recommended. Talk about earthworms. All you have to do is be near a sidewalk, which is up against like a yard or yeah, something. Yeah. After it rains, and you'll see all of the, all of the movement. <laughs> I, I'm I'm one of those who actually picks them up and throws them back. I do too. You know, I just, do too. It's just like just like uh, uh, that piece of sod that I rescued. Uh, it, which reminds me, you know, I mentioned about fertilizing grass. This is the month to fertilize your grass. If you if you don't fertilize it, you ought to every three or four or five years. This is the month. Uh, but I rescued this piece of sod. 
uh, that was just laying out on the highway. Um, and I'm just wondering if this is a chance for us to have one of those questions that nobody asked type thing. What do you think? And now, <laughs> here is Felder Rushing with answers to unasked questions. <laughs> the qu- unasked question is, how long does a grass live? <laughs> Whoa, that's a that's now you talk about esoteric. It is esoteric, but here's the it's important. You know, it's you don't need to know this, but if you know that it changes the way you look at your lawn. Most people take care of the grass. They mow it, they fertilize it water, they're taking care of the grass, like you take care of a shrub or you take care of a cat. But grass is completely different. Turf grass plants only live, according to my turf science professor at Mississippi State, about three weeks. Individual grass plant. I'm holding one up. Just got a little short piece of stem, got some leaves, got a little root coming out of the bottom. That plant only lives about three weeks. But meanwhile, it sends out new runners with new grass and new roots to replace itself. It's called iteration. Every month, you have a completely new lawn. You know, it's not the old lawn getting like a shrub. So if you want to have a healthy lawn, and it looks really bad, you can do it in a month by just treating it like it, not to take care of it, but to help it replace itself. A little fertilizer stimulates growth. A little water helps it grow good roots, sunshine, and it spreads, it sends out new plants before it dies. So this reason why I say if you, in the summertime, if you just water once, um, if we don't get rain for a month, your grass can't replace itself. And next month, a month later, it looks terrible. Because it didn't replace itself. So instead of taking care of your lawn like you take care of your shrubs, push your lawn. You know, encourage it. It's like getting your kids ready for school. You know, you, you water it and fertilize it and mow it to help it replace itself. You don't take care of it. So if you got a really bad-looking lawn, a little water, a little fertilizer, mow on the high side, and a month later, you have a brand-new lawn like it's been there forever. Isn't that a stupid thing to know, Java? There are no stupid knowledge knowledge points. <laughs> yeah, that's what, but anyway, next time people mowing the grass, you're mowing a dying plant, a mass millions of dying plants. Help them replace themselves. That's the idea. Anyway, <laughs> we have a full bank of phone calls. I know. Let's 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 slide up to Jackson and talk with Holiday. Holiday, how are you this morning? Hey, Felder, how are you? Fine. Thank you for holding. We've been just been, you know, you know how me and Java are. Oh, yes, and I love it. That's why I listen to your show. Appreciate uh, it. Hey, I was going to tell you, you know that great uh, native plant sale that's going on at Manel Gardens this yeah. weekend? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we also, the Mississippi Museum of Art is also having a native plant sale from 9 to 1 tomorrow, Saturday, the 29th. Wow. And uh, whether... Yeah, so it's just Native Plant Month. I mean, you know that April is now has now been officially signed into law as Mississippi Native Plant Month. Yeah. So we're celebrating that by offering a ton of great native plants, and I know Manel Gardens is too. So between the two of us, I think that we can um, we can have a lot of uh, a lot of great native plants for sale. Well, and, and one of the one of the differences uh, the Museum of Art, which I was I was down there just this past week. Been there, matter of fact, I've been there uh, three times of the past month, waiting for a certain plant called rattle. Stink Master is starting to bloom for you. It uh, is. I love this plant, and, you, and I have eight of them to sell. Yeah, I've nursed over the winter. It's a, and the blue lime grass is looking good. The phlox is looking great. You know that 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 was Ed Blake's landscape architect, the late great Ed Blake's last major project, uh, and uh, planted by Robert Poor. So tr- one of the best native plant gardens 
in the south, and it doesn't look like a native plant garden. It's a terrific, artsy garden with levels and people and all that. just happens to be almost all native plants. Anyway, appreciate you calling about that holiday. Well, y'all come join us. It's in downtown Jackson, 380 uh, uh, Lamar Street, South Lamar Street. Yeah, so y'all come on down 9 Oh, and by the way, y'all have a really great security guy because he came over. Every time I go there, he comes over wanting to know what am I doing out in the fly. I'm just taking pictures, okay? But he's, 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 I'm just telling you, he's on it. <laughs> Appreciate That's the holiday. Great. Well, you probably uh, talk flowers. But anyway, thanks so much, Felder. We love your show and hope to see a lot of people tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks so Appreciate much. the holiday. All righty. Um, I guess the next one would be Carolyn and Past Christiane. Hey, Carolyn, thanks for calling. Hey, um, I have an answer. Okay. <laughs> um, I I think I've discovered how to keep squirrels out of my flower pots. Oh boy, does it involve a shotgun? No. Okay. No. I when I trimmed my rose bushes back in February, uh huh. I just kind of you know threw them on the ground and um, and you know they hurt your hands so. I broke up some and put in one of my hanging baskets, and, and nobody got in it. So I put them in some other little pots. I swear, I've tried everything, but I honestly believe that the the dead rose... Um, it pokes their noses. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, that's, I was just calling to share that. That's a, and, that's, that's a great one. And, you know, and, and, and having short clippings of roses laying around flower beds, it, it, it doesn't look weird. It looks like you just, like you're doing it on purpose. That's a great idea. It's, it definitely, thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. Well, it's working so far. Okay. okay. Thank Love you. Love your show. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> yep. It's just, uh, you know, I use chicken wire. You know, I use all sorts of stuff, but the squirrels, I, I call them tree rats. You know, they're all over everywhere, all over everywhere. Let's slide over to Foley, Alabama. William, good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. It's What's nice up? to talk to you. Thank you. What's up? Uh, every year, I grow tomatoes. Every year, they grow like gangbusters. Every year, the bugs clean them up. And what I need to know is, is there anything that I can kill bugs with that don't kill the people? Yeah, there's you know there's actually a lot of insecticides that are that are quite safe for for for, for mammals for people and pets and even for pollinators. Uh, the problem is no one insecticide that's safe will control all insects. What the the insects that suck juice out of plants, the little aphids and the stink bugs and things like that. It takes a different kind of insecticide to kill those than it takes to kill bugs that chew on plants that chew holes and eat things see so uh sucking insects and chewing type insects if you want an all-purpose insecticide there are some pretty good ones including a natural one that's the the active ingredient is from a chrysanthemum flower it's called pyrethrin and there's some others there's a whole bunch of others out there but if you've Put them on your plant late in the day after the pollinators have done. You know, there's not a lot of issues with pollinators on tomatoes anyway because they're self-pollinating. But if you'll spray late in the day without overdoing it, it'll control the stuff that overnight. So that'll help a little bit. So using uh, something that's uh, like a pyrethrin or a natural material late in the day, that'll do. That'll that'll take care of most of it, including some of the stink bugs that make those little spots and stuff on your tomatoes. But there's no one there's no one safe all-purpose insecticide, you know, for all flowers and vegetables and all insects. It's like medicine. 
So if I went to a local feed store or over to Lowe's or something and asked for pyrethrin, it, it'll be listed under active ingredients. It'll say pyrethrin, and and again, there's others. There's other. That's just the first one that comes to my mind. Okay. Well, I'll give that a try. Maybe I'll have a tomato this year. Good luck on it, will you? Hey, here's something else you could do. Before the tomatoes get ripe, before they have a chance to die, take a Sharpie pen out there and draw smiley faces on them. If nothing else, that'll get you through. <laughs> that, that's better than nothing. Okay. It's better than nothing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank pre- you. Appreciate your call. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I had so much fun this past week going around Java, going around Mississippi, you know, meeting with folks in libraries. It's, uh, you know, and when you get a crowd at a library, it's like going to a, a botanic garden. Uh, it's not just horticulture there. A lot of times the people just go in there just because uh, it's, it's full of information and inspiration. But all different kinds of people, you know, not just people who belong to clubs and stuff like that. Uh, but the, most imp- the, the best time that I had this whole week, the best time, I went up to Tupelo this past week and met with a listener. Uh, from MPB, one of our supporters, and I'm drawing a total blank. I forgot her name. Uh, Candy, Candy Wheeler. Candy okay, okay, Wheeler. Okay. I remembered it. Uh, Candy was an MPB supporter, and uh, she uh, made a uh, donation on on, uh, on drive time, mm-hmm. and we pulled her name out of the thing for a meet and greet. And we went up, Candy and her husband, and had about 15 of the neighbors over there. We sat around, we laughed, we talked, we walked around the yard, we kicked around ideas. But it was the 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 meet and greet thing from drive time from last year. We had a blast. Well, that was, that's beautiful, man. Because yeah. I remember there was a, a special thing. Uh, people were showing their support for MPB, and they were trying to, you know, Rent-a-felder. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a support M- MPB felder meet-and-greet type There thing. we go. It was a meet-and-greet, not but a rent a you know, But <laughs> anyway, we had a lot of fun. It was what I call garden variety gardeners. You know, they had same kind of problems, same kind of success, the same kind of, you know, just like me, except, you know, I got this knowledge that doesn't translate to what actually works in the garden. So our garden looked like we had a blast. Anyway, Candy, appreciate you supporting uh, MPB and all the other folks who support us during our drive time. Good morning, Peg. How are you? I'm good, Felder. I wanted to know if there was something I could do about my sweet peas. I have some in the pot and some in the ground. The first batch that I had planted in November, of course, got wiped out by that nice frozen 20-degree weather. Mm -hmm. But then I planted them again, and the ones in the pot seem to be doing a little, they're a little more robust, but I don't have any blooms yet. Don't you think it's a little late, or can I do anything to help them bloom? Well, just to, just to give you a little background here, I started some sweet PCs about a month or so ago and with great intentions and got around to finally plant. They were in egg cartons, you know, egg styrofoam egg cartons. I started them in that. I finally planted them this past week, and mine are about, four inches tall maybe but i've seen some in full bloom at uh at eudora welty's garden in jackson so i'm not the best expert to ask about growing sweet peas because you know what i know isn't necessarily what i can actually do but here's the thing they like cool weather we had a little hot spell that caused them to shut down a lot lot of them uh and they can do quite well give them a half shot just a half shot of Fertilizer, liquid fertilizer, Miracle Grow, one of those kind of things. Whatever it says, put in a gallon of water, 
put half that much in a gallon of water. And it doesn't look like enough, but it's enough to stimulate them, to sort of spur them, jump into action without pushing them too much. Let's see what they do. But I, because that's what I would do with mine. Just give them a little, little jump start is all we can do. And hope that they bloom well, then, before it gets too hot. Okay. Well, thanks, because I've just been worried about them for a while, and you were called you. You're worried about <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, I'm just. I, I, by the way, I planted these at the Ag Museum. I made, put a little teepee up, you know, some little crepe myrtle stems, and I plant them at the base of them. But I also plant some Malabar spinach, uh, so I have something coming along after the sweet peas finish. But anyway, uh, I gave them a little fertilizer, a little sunshine, a little water. Hoping for the best. Sounds like a good prescription. Thanks, Felder. Okay, good luck. <laughs> right. Java, I used to have a, a button I wore all the time, and it's not a joke. It says, take my advice, I'm not using it. Nice. <laughs> not, not, not <laughs> I, a, may, I may have to steal that. <laughs> yeah. And, and folks, if uh, my nail gardens, the master garden, they have their plant sale. Uh, they've got all different kinds of plants. Also, the, the, the uh, Mississippi Museum of Art downtown jackson right by the planetarium incredible garden beautiful garden two different kinds of gardens a standard old south garden with lots of really interesting textures and shapes and flowers and shrubs and lawns and meandering paths but also they have a kind of contemporary garden out there that's loaded with plants that are astounding looking and then you realize these are all native to mississippi doesn't look like a wildflower garden at all but anyway they're having a plant sale too but if you have a chance, you're coming through Jackson, you got some kids, you got some old folks, you you know, just want to have a nice, pleasant little time learning something, stop by the Agriculture Museum on Lakeland Drive. Uh, Java, have you ever taken your kids out there? Oh, yeah, plenty of times, man. It's a nice space, especially when, I will say, when it's not too much going on. You know, yeah. you have big events, but we yeah. can kind of just walk around and wander around. It's nice. Well, we started a herb garden behind the, uh, the, the doctor's uh, place. Back in, I guess, 89, might have been 86, 87. Anyway, the late 80s, we started one there, uh, me and a, uh, a gal from England named Rita Hall. And we also uh, worked with Madeline Hill from Texas, who is the president of the Herb Society of America. Anyway, it's a quaint little thing. Uh, Master Garden has been taking care of it, and we sort of started refurbishing it last year, and it is nice. It's got some cool stuff in it, but it still has that old-town, small-town cottage garden feel. So anyway, if you're in Jackson, swing by the Ag Museum, be sure to visit the, the Doctor's Herb Garden and look at some of the stuff we got out there. Now, let's slide down to a Mobile real quick and talk with Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hello, hello. Good morning. Uh, I, was, I was just calling to make a comment about, I heard the discussion about the bluebells, mm -hmm. uh, the Texas bluebells. Blue bonnets, you're right, right. Blue bonnets. Right. I live over in Mobile, Alabama, and um, several years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, there was a couple that um, rented a house right near, almost across the street from me. Right. And he had come from Texas to do a medical residency here in Mobile. Mm -hmm. And I was walking one afternoon. I was out walking, and he and his wife are out digging all around the mailbox, digging out a little place to plant something. Right. So I, I stopped and started a conversation with him, and he said, well, we're planting bluebell seeds. He said, I brought my bluebell seeds from Texas with me. Mm -hmm. So they planted there, and, of course, it turned out to be pretty pitiful. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, but, but but they're from Texas. All it takes is one flower for them to feel proud. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he tried because the next year I told him a couple of things he could plant that would work there. So yeah. was, I've always remembered that about the Texas bluebells in Mobile. You know, there's a, and, and I shouldn't say this because I have so many good friends from Texas, so many, many good friends, and I spend a lot of time in England. But there's three kinds of people who have a certain attitude that they share. Yeah. People from Texas, they're all about Texas. We appreciate y'all. People from England, oh, yeah. you know, we get it. You're from England, used to own the world <laughs> and all that. We get that. But And also the people who have Mac computers, you know, not PCs, but Macs. <laughs> Mac computer yeah, people, yeah. Texans and English, we all get it. Now, just be quiet. Go away. <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm not trying to be mean about that. It's just sort of a joke. But anyway, Texans are have got the most incredible diversity from the top to the bottom, side to side. Blue bonnets only grow in a little narrow stretch of Texas. I know that. I've been through there when they were blooming. Yeah. It's beautiful. But yep. anyway, you have well, some terrific plants so you can grow. Anyway, uh, I appreciate that. It's, it's not, we're not trying to be mean here. We're just trying to say, yeah, you know, this ain't no, Texas. It just happened, and, and uh, it, it didn't work. You know, he, <laughs> he watered and he fertilized and all that. He had well, some come up. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it if, was a pitiful little, little if, area. If, if it is possible to grow blue bonnets if you plant the seeds in the fall, in the late summer or early fall, so they get sprouted before winter, and they grow over the winter, and they bloom in the spring. So that's, a, you know, plant them in the fall, not in the summertime. So anyway, appreciate that so much. Thank you for your call. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Now, Felder, before we get out of here, I've been talking about the Talk to Us feature on the app. And we had a person, um, Melvin, send something in. I think it's in reference to what you talked about last week with your your compost pile. And I just want to give people uh, a a taste of what they could send to us uh, through the Talk to Us feature inside the MPB public media app. Okay, so I can see that. Russian, I cannot believe that you use eggshells in your compost. Shame on you. <laughs> and that's just a voice note. You can do that with your app, just like Melvin and uh, Lee Felder uh, 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 a message. Lee Felder a nasty message. No, <laughs> and I don't use eggshells in my compost. I throw them on the compost because you got to throw them somewhere. <laughs> anyway, folks. Gardening is a big tent. It's a really big tent. Horticulturists, garden variety gardeners, people just have a little patio or maybe an African violet. It doesn't matter. Growing something that is good for you, is good for your spirit. It gives you a continuity, something to look forward to, something to nurture, and it's going to like you back at least as much as a cat will. Come on. We're going to be talking about gardening every week right here on the Gestalt Garden of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I, I, I celebrate having Java as my producer, uh, Kevin Farrell, all the other, Liz Gill, all the other folks here at MPB. We really appreciate it. Now, take a kid to a farmer's market. Take a kid to a garden center and show them how to do what we, it's a beautiful weekend, show them how to we do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.